little after 4.30, between 4 and 5, we stopped some, sometime there. Uh, I didn't do an actual count, but I think we had between 60 to 70 people, something like that. It was a good time of prayer. And it was a really good start. And I just want to encourage the rest of us to really be there for prayer. Amen? It's only one night uh, in a month that you need to sacrifice. You can always catch up with sleep a little later on. Just be there. Even if you can come for one hour, two hours, uh, please do come for the night of prayer. We'll be doing it every second Friday, uh, second Friday of every month. So please be there. The ushers are just telling me that we didn't take up the our morning's offering. So please, let's do that. Let's receive our morning tithes and offerings. And please feel free to give to the kingdom of God as God has blessed and prospered you. Last Sunday, we showed the video on transformation, transformations where we saw what God is doing in uh, uh, you know, four different locations on the earth where God is responding to the prayers of His people and wonderful things are happening. And we know that you know, it's not just limited to these four locations. God is doing something amazing around the world wherever people are willing to pray and ask God and seek God to do something in their area, in their region. And... Uh, we showed that video just to really inspire us to say, hey, we as a church can come together and pray and see things happen. Amen? And this morning, uh, from that, we're going to get into a series of studying together on prayer. And, and really, I, I, I don't want to just say it's a study on prayer. I, I think it's more of moving us as a church into a new realm, a new sphere of, of, of our spiritual life where we pray intensely. Amen? So we are going to study the word of God together, but our purpose is not just to study, but our purpose is to really move into a new level of praying together as individuals and as a church. You know, prayer is is wonderful. Prayer, you know, is many different things. Prayer is communion with God. It's you talking to God and, and God is speaking back to you. Talking back to you. So prayer is communion with God. Prayer is also partnering with God. It's joining hands together with God. You and God joining together to see something happen here on earth. Prayer is a ministry. It's one of the most wonderful forms of service where you pray for somebody else and they don't even know you're praying for them. You're serving them. It's one of the highest forms of ministry. Amen? Prayer is also warfare. Because in prayer, you're taking your place of authority and you're you're asking God to do something about what the enemy is doing on earth. And you're drawing strength from God, which you will turn and use against the enemy to stop his works on the earth. So prayer is also warfare. So prayer is several things. Prayer is powerful because God hears and responds to prayer. Amen? Amen? Because there's a powerful God who hears and responds to prayer. Psalm 65 and verse 2. Psalm 65 and verse 2 says, O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. O you who hear prayer, to all flesh will come. Why do we come to God in prayer? Because we know He hears us. 
There's a powerful God who hears and answers prayer. And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 is a parallel scripture which tells us that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Now, I just want to give you a quick overview of what we are going to study in the weeks to come as we begin this, this whole journey on prayer. This morning, this Sunday morning, we're going to answer the question, why pray? Why do we pray? In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about God's promise to answer prayer. We're going to talk about different kinds of prayer. There are different kinds of prayer. Sometimes we don't understand that and therefore we mix everything together. You know, we know there are different games. There's football, cricket, hockey, volleyball. You don't play cricket with a football. You say, well, this is just a game. I'll play foot cricket with a football. You'll mess things up. And that's kind, of, that's kind of how our prayer lives are many times. We kind of mix all the different kinds of prayer. And then we wonder why things aren't happening. We're going to talk about the boundaries of prayer, the perimeters of prayer. We're going to talk about developing confidence in prayer and hindrances to answered prayer and hearing God in prayer. We'll talk about praying in the Spirit and developing the discipline of prayer. We'll talk about intercessory prayer and interceding for believers, interceding for the lost and interceding for the city, taking authority after we pray. We'll talk about prayer and fasting and we'll talk about persevering in prayer. Amen. So there's a long journey in prayer. You know, going from Bangalore to Hyderabad, we're going to Bangalore to Delhi. It's a long journey that we're going to embark on as we discover prayer. Amen? So tell your neighbor, get ready. We're going to learn several things about prayer. And, you know, as we go through this series of studying, I want you to ask questions. Amen? See, God doesn't get angry if you ask questions for the right reasons. If you have a sincere heart, you ask questions, God will answer. I'll tell you why. So I want you to ask questions. I want you to think with me. I want you to ask questions. And when you, if you have questions on prayer, on the subject of prayer, as we're going through this series, just email them across. Amen? So don't ask questions about Armageddon, Babylon. We're talking about prayer. So questions on prayer. Please email them across or write on a letter. Don't call 10.30 at night. Pastor, I have a question on prayer. <laughs> it's okay, but you know, I think there's a better way, simpler way to do it. Just email it or if you don't have internet access, just write on a piece of paper and mail it across. And We'll try to address them during this series on prayer as we talk about various aspects of prayer and you know, the series is not just a pursuit to increase our spiritual learning. It's important. We must learn. We must have knowledge. But rather, I want us to perceive this as a call for action. Amen? We're not just learning about prayer because so that we can, you know, say, I know everything about prayer. No. See this as a call to action that God is calling you and me to rise up to new levels of prayer a call to action every message is a call to action and you see it saying don't just you know don't just hear the word but move into action do something about the word of God we study together and 
I'm praying that God will just pour out His spirit of prayer and intercession upon us. So there will be a revival of prayer just spreading across and many will join in as we begin to pray God together. Amen? So let's get into our first study this morning. We want to ask the question, why pray? Why should we pray? If God is sovereign and if God is almighty and if God does whatever He wants to do, God is sovereign. God is almighty. We many times we sing that we sing or we say God is in control. So if God is in control, why do you need to pray? What do we need to pray? God is omnipotent, all powerful. He can do what he wants. Why should we pray? God is self-sufficient, meaning he's not depending on you and me for anything. So why do we pray? Why should we pray? Amen? Now, we may have many peripheral reasons on why we pray. For example, somebody, we might say, well, you know, prayer is very relaxing. Well, that's nice, but I can go swimming and relax. Amen? Or we might say, you know, you have to be at least a little bit religious, so you pray a little bit. Well, you know, these reasons, uh, they're nice, but they are peripheral. They're not, they're not the real reason. They may have a certain amount of truth in it. And yes, you can relax, you can de-stress, you can cast your care on the Lord. and uh, you can, All that happens when you pray, and I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, but this morning, we want to get to the central reason on why we must pray. The number one reason, the core of it, the central reason... Why pray? Amen? For this, we have to go back to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, in the very first chapter. And we are going to examine and understand man's role on the earth. We're answering the question. We begin by understanding man's role on the earth. Stay with me. It might be a little intense, but stay with me. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So back in the book of Genesis, when God created man, God said, let's make man in our own image. The Hebrew simply means shadow. So man is God's shadow. Look at your neighbor and say, you are God's shadow. The other word translated for that is illusion. Meaning it looks like the real, but it's not the real. But it looks like the real. Image of God. And in our likeness, the word likeness simply means in Hebrew to resemble God. 
So why did God create man? How did he create him? He created him in his image and likeness so that on the earth people saw God's shadow. They saw something that resembled God. So they said, hey, that looks like God. And all of creation saw man. They saw something that resembled God. They thought it was God. Now we know it was not God, but it was a shadow. Amen? So man was put on the earth to resemble God. And God said, let him have dominion on the earth. And then he says in verse 28, I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to rule the earth. So who was to have dominion on the earth? Man. He was to rule the earth. In chapter 2 and verse 15, it says that God puts man in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. To tend, to cultivate it. And to keep it. The word keep means to guard it. So man has dominion on the earth. He is to subdue the earth, rule over it. He is to guard it. Amen. I know we're in Psalm chapter 8. Verses 5 and 6. Psalm 8 verses 5 and 6. It says... For you have made him a little lower than the angels. The Hebrew there is Elohim. So it's correctly translated in, as in some versions. You have made him a little lower than God. What is man that you should be mindful of him and the son of man that you should visit him? Verse 4, verse 5, you've made him a little lower than God. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have crowned man with glory. The Hebrew is kabod. Which is also used to talk about the glory of God. Let the weight of your glory fall. God put his glory on man. What does glory do? It shows off the one it comes from. And that's why in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 7, it says, man was, is the glory of God. Man is the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 11, 7. The word, Greek word is, is doxa, parallel to the Hebrew word kabod. It simply means a, a, an outshining, something that shows off the original glory. Show off. He, God crowned man with glory and honor. And then it says in Psalm 8 verse 6, You have made him to have Dominion, rule over your works. Over the works of your hands, you have put all things under his feet. You made him to have dominion on the earth, made him to be a ruler on the earth. And you put everything under his feet. This was man's role on the earth. And then you go to Psalm 115. He's giving us several parallel scriptures on this. Psalm 115. And verse 16. 
Psalm 115 verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of men. The word given means entrusted as a manager. The heavens belong to the Lord. The earth he has given to men. Amen. So what do we know about man's role on the earth? Man was to be, was created in the image and likeness of God. He was to resemble God on the earth. But man was also to have dominion, subdue, guard, rule, and manage the earth. Amen. Do we all understand this? The earth was completely entrusted to man. Now question, how complete was it part of it or all of it? Now we know what happened in the Garden of Eden when Satan came and tempted Eve and Adam and Eve sinned. What happened? The dominion, the authority of all that Adam had on this earth was transferred to Satan. That's why in Luke the fourth chapter verses 5 through 8 when Satan was tempting Jesus. Here's what Satan said in his temptation. He told Jesus. The Bible says, and the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and all the glory of it. And he said, all this I will give to you because the authority of all this has been given to me. Who gave Satan the authority of this world? It was not God. Adam Amen And so Satan had authority Over everything on this earth And he could tell Jesus You bow down and worship me I'll give this earth back to you And that's exactly the reason Why Jesus came Is that right He came to get this earth Out of Satan's hand So Satan offered a shortcut Just worship me I'll give it back that was not the way Jesus was going to get it. But what I want you to see is this. Jesus didn't report, reply and say, Hey devil, who do you think you are? I own this world. That's not what Jesus said. Because he understood that Satan had legal access, authority over the earth. It was given to him by Adam. So how complete was man's dominion of the earth? Absolute. It was so complete that even God didn't step in and intervene when Satan was handing authority of this, when Adam was handing authority of this earth over to Satan. God didn't step in. Amen. Are we understanding this? God didn't step in. Why? He had delegated it to man. Man was his deputy. Man had been given that authority on the earth. If he wanted to hand it to Satan, so be it. God didn't step in. He didn't stop it. It was so complete. Had not the authority to give it away. Man's dominion on the earth was so complete. That in order to redeem the human race. God himself had to become a man. And as a man go and get it back. 
Amen. That's how complete this dominion on the earth was. So now we know why God had to become man. Because he had entrusted the earth to man. Mankind to man. That he had to become a man. And as a man go and get back what was given away by man. How complete was Adam's authority on the earth? Complete. It was complete. Amen. It was so complete that we can make this statement that God was not going to do anything on earth in the normal day-to-day affairs of man except through man. Even the redemption had to be done through man. He didn't show up before Satan is God and say, give it back. I'm bigger than you. Of course he could have done it. But he had to respect what he did in the garden, in the garden of Eden in Genesis. I'm giving you dominion. This is yours. And as a man, he had to come and say, Satan, you took it away from man. Here's a man coming, the second Adam. Give it back. Amen. So that's why John Wesley, and he's, John Wesley has been quoted very often in making this statement. John Wesley said, God will do nothing, God does nothing on the earth save in answer to believing prayer. God does nothing on the earth except in answer to believing prayer. That's a powerful statement to make. I mean, we know God is sovereign. You mean to say He's not going to do just something on the earth on His own? We know why. Because the earth was given to man. Amen? Hey, but that, all, that also explains why the world is in such a big mess. Amen? It's because you and I are not doing our job well. Amen? Because authority on the earth, the caring, the tending, the subduing, the dominion, the keeping of this world was entrusted to man. And God will do nothing on earth outside of His master plan except in response to prayer. And the response is what man does here on earth. Let's go in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 18, to understand this a little bit further and, and just see uh, how God works along with man. In 1 Kings 18th chapter, we look at verse 1. shared a little bit of this at the online prayer meeting on Friday, Friday night. It's good to repeat things so that we really understand it. First Kings 18th chapter, we'll read verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Question. Who decided to send rain on the earth? God or Elijah? Let me hear you. Come on guys, girls. Who's, who decided to send rain on the earth? God. Because God said, I will send rain on the earth. What did Elijah do? Go over to the, uh, to the end of the chapter. Verses 40, verse 41 onwards. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. 
You know, Elijah was speaking by faith. It had not rained for three years. The sky was clear. Nothing in the sky. And Elijah saying, there's a sound of abundance of rain. Hey, where you hearing it? God has spoken, I will send rain. What does Elijah do? So Ahab, verse 42, So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. There he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now what happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. Now go over to chapter 5 of the book of James in the New Testament. James chapter 5. The Holy Spirit is giving his commentary on what happened in 1 Kings 18. And here's what the Holy Spirit says through James. In James chapter 5, we'll pick up in the middle of verse 16. It says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, energized, fervent, passionate, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man avails much. It results in tremendous things happening. And then as an example, the Holy Spirit points us to Elijah. And this is what he says in verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruits. So what was Elijah doing on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18? He was, come on, let me hear you guys. What was he doing? He was praying. How do we know? Verse 17 says, and Elijah prayed again that it might rain. So he was praying. He was not doing TM or, you know, one of those things. He was praying. He was seeking God. Question. God said, 1 Kings 18.1, I will send. Why did Elijah have to pray? God said, I'll send rain. If I was Elijah, I said, hallelujah, send the rain, Lord, I'll go to sleep. God said, I'll send the rain. But Elijah's praying. And his prayer was not that five minute prayer. It wasn't a five minute prayer. How do you know? Because you know, it says there seven times. He told the servant, go see if there's any cloud there. Sky was clear. Hadn't rained for at least three years, three and a half years. No cloud, nothing. And he's telling his servant, go see any cloud. First time he goes, he's no cloud. No cloud. At the report, <laughs> no cloud. So maybe let me pray again. Pray again. Cloud, no cloud. Third time, same report. No cloud. I would have probably given up. Hey, after all, God said, let him do it. 
But Elijah went past the third time. Fourth time. Fifth time. Sixth time. Seventh time. Then he saw the cloud. And the Bible says, The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Here's the example of what it means to be an effective fervent prayer. Elijah. Amen. So, God has said many things concerning you, concerning me. Amen. He's already said many things. But you know, it's not going to happen on earth until you and I, like Elijah, birth it in prayer. I'm using the word birth just for lack of a better word. But you and I need to be fervent and effectual in our prayer on earth to make what God has said in heaven come to pass on earth. Amen? God has said, you will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. You will bring forth your fruit to its season. Your leaf will not wither. Whatever you do will prosper. He's already said it. But somebody on earth has to pray and say, God, I will not let up until I become that tree. Amen? Otherwise, we be a withered tree. No leaves. Forget about fruit. We'll go through life like that thinking, this is the will of God. No, 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 no. The will of God has been revealed. God has spoken. He has said, you will be like that tree. Question mark, will you be like Elijah? Pray and say, God, until I see it happen, I'm not letting up. Why? Because God will not do anything on earth until he works through somebody. The earth he has given to the children of men. Amen. And today, you and I are the redeemed church. Blood-bought sons and daughters of God. Jesus came as a man, went, to, went against Satan and, and, and got back what Adam had given him. He turned around to the church and he said, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'm putting authority back into your hands. I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will by any means hurt you. You have that authority. I'm making you heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What Adam lost has been restored to you and me. And we are being made back in the shadow of God. The Bible says that we are being changed into his same image. From glory to glory. You may be a little pretty bad shadows, but <laughs> the shadow is being restored. We are being created, reborn in the image of God. Amen. You and I now have that same responsibility that Adam had in the Garden of Eden. We are here to resemble God. And we're here to be his deputies on earth. The church is. Amen. Therefore God is not going to bypass the church. 
and doing something on the earth. Think about this. God is king. It's his kingdom. He can set up his kingdom wherever he wants. Is that right? But Jesus said to you and me, pray, thy kingdom come. Excuse me, God, you're king. You can set your kingdom up anywhere you want. Why must I pray? Thy kingdom come. Amen. God is sovereign. His will will be done. But Jesus said, pray. Thy will be done. You've got to pray his will to be done on earth. God knows our every need. But Jesus said, pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Why? God does nothing except in response to your prayer. Believing prayer. Why? Because he puts you on earth that way. So this brings us to the next point. And it is this. That prayer was designed by God. Amen. Prayer is not something the church thought up. Prayer was designed by God. As man's way of connecting back to his source of authority and power. Amen. Prayer is God's idea. If it was not God's idea, Jesus would not have participated in it. Do you agree? What we see in the Bible, if you go to Luke, the 11th chapter. Luke 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples to pray. So he said to them, when you pray, pray like this. And he gives them what we call the Lord's Prayer. But you see there, it says, when he was praying... Jesus was praying. He would not have done it if it was not God's design. And he turns around and he teaches his disciples to pray. He's explaining to them how prayer works or how to pray. And Luke 18 and verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus spoke a parable to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to not to lose heart. So Jesus is teaching us. This is God speaking. He's speaking the words of the Father. And he's teaching us saying, saying, always pray. This is something God has designed. Amen. So prayer is not a man-made system. God set up the system of prayer. If you want to call it, call it that. God set it up. Now let's address the issue of self-sufficiency. We have a few more minutes. Get ready to close. But the issue of self-sufficiency of God. 
and his dependence on the prayer of man. If you turn with me the book of Ezekiel, let's look at one verse of scripture today. And as we continue in our study in the weeks to come, we're going to learn and uncover a lot more in prayer. In Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter, Ezekiel 20, chapter, 20, chapter 22, in verse 29, it says that the people of the land have used oppressions and they've done robbery, misused the poor and needy, and so on. And verse 30, is telling us God's response. He says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. Just look at this. Try to picture this in your mind. The people in the land of Israel and Jerusalem have done very wickedly and, and, and God is seeing all the wrong things. God is a just God, but He's also a compassionate God. He's a God of truth, but He's also a God of mercy. His justice demands that He pour out judgment against this extreme wickedness. But before He can right away execute His judgment, He wants to execute His mercy. He wants to extend compassion to the people but what does he do he says in verse 30 I looked for a man who might stand in the gap before me for the land meaning I'm looking just for one person who will come before me and say God please have mercy Does God want to give mercy? Of course. But he just doesn't randomly give mercy. He's looking for at least one man saying, God, please have mercy. But he didn't find anybody. So what happened? Judgment had to come. Amen. Is God self-sufficient? Is God sovereign? Yes. If God was sovereign, why didn't he sovereignly extend mercy? Question. Why didn't he just sovereignly? Chalne do, chordo. Bache loge, chordo. Why didn't he sovereignly extend mercy? Why was he dependent on finding at least one man who would plead before him for the land and say, please have mercy. Amen. So we come to this conclusion. That what God does on the earth, he will do it in response. He will only do work through human beings. He will do it in response to the prayer of people. In the general course of events. That's the way God will work. You say, Pastor, that's putting too much responsibility on me. Don't talk to me. Go talk to God. 
He is the one who made you and me in his image and likeness. He is the one who gave you and me dominion and the earth and told us to subdue it and to keep it. And he entrusted it to us and he crowned us with his glory and honor and put all things under our feet. Amen. He is the one who put this responsibility on you and me. Amen. So why pray? Why pray? I want to sum this up in these four statements. Why pray? Number one, in the light of all that we've discussed, and we can add all the peripheral issues, right? You can add the remaining stuff if you want to say why pray. But I'm, I'm talking about the core things, the core reasons, central reason. Why pray? We pray because we are following God's design. It was God who determined that man would have authority on the earth. And God, although he is self-sufficient, and although he is sovereign, and although he doesn't need anybody's advice on what to do, yet he has designed that on the earth, he will work through his agent, through his deputy. Today, that's the church. Amen. Why pray? Because God's design is like this. Unless you and I will go before Him and say, God, I'm here representing you. I'm resembling you. God, let's get this thing done. It's not going to happen. Amen. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago for the whole world. His work is absolutely perfect. Nothing lacking. And yet, our city will go to hell if you and I don't stand up and say, God, let's get this city. Amen. Why pray? Reason number two. We pray because through prayer, we are able to fulfill our place of authority on the earth. God has vested us with a place of authority. And it's through prayer that we fulfill our authority on the earth. Because we draw our authority from God. It's not ourselves. Our authority comes from God. So through prayer, we're able to fulfill our a place of dominion and authority on the earth. Number three, why, we, why pray? We pray because helpless people need prayer. There are a lot of people who can't pray for themselves. They don't know what it means to go before God. Or sometimes we ourselves are helpless. We find ourselves with our back against the wall in a tight situation. And, 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 and we are un unable to pray for whatever reason. We may have been so weakened by the enemy. We pray because helpless people need our prayer. Look at two scriptures. Be very, very powerful scriptures in the book of Job. If you told me the Job chapter 9. Job 9, verses 32 and 33. Job says, now Job, we know what situation he was in at this time. He was totally devastated by the overpowering attack of the enemy on his life. Uh, his children were killed, lost a lot of his possessions. His health was affected. He was in a very bad shape. And here's what he cries out for. Verse 32. 
of Job 9. He is not a man as I am that I may answer him. And that we should go to court together. So he's saying, look, you know, God's not a man. I can't take God to court. Of course, never to an Indian court, but... For he is not a man as I am that I may answer him that we should go to court together. Verse 33. Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on us both. He's saying, look, you know, I can't take God to, go, God to court. But I wish, and I'm just re rephrasing it. What he's saying? I wish there was a mediator between me and who would lay his hand on us. Both. One hand on me. One hand on God. I wish there was a mediator. That's what he's saying. I can't find a mediator. I've got friends. They've all come to scold me. I wish they would mediate between God and me. But that's not what they're doing. I don't have a mediator between me and God. In verse six, chapter 16. Verse 21. He repeats this just in different words. Verse 20, he says, My friends scorn me. This is Job 16, verse 20. My friends scorn me. My eyes pour out tears to God. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God. As a man pleads for his friend. He's saying, Oh, I wish somebody would plead for a man, meaning himself, would plead for me before God. As a man pleads for his friend. Why pray? Because helpless people need somebody to be in between them and God. And plead on their behalf before God. Amen. And last reason why we pray. We can give many more reasons. But I think this is a very important reason. Because we know we pray because... We know that God rewards what happens in the prayer closet. In Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6, Jesus said, you know, when you pray, don't be like the unbelievers. They stand in the corners and make a big noise. But he said, when you pray, you get into your own room and shut the door. And you pray to your God in secret. And God who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Why do we pray? Because the God who sees me in secret will reward me out there before people. I know my prayer is not wasted. Something is happening because I'm praying. Amen. So this morning as we have begun our study on prayer, we've, asked, we've answered just one question. Why pray? The central reason is because of man's role on the earth. That God has placed man in such an important place on the earth that sometimes it's hard for us even to comprehend. And like this, like David, we say, what is man that, that you are mindful of him and that, that you even consider him? But David goes on to say, but you have crowned him with glory and honor. And you have made him to have dominion for all your works and you've put all things under his feet you've made him a little lower than God 
is man? Why pray? Because God has designed it like this. You and I have tremendous responsibility on the earth. Amen. Sometimes more than what we would like to think or accept. I think we must rise up to it and say, God, if this is what you've done, I'm rising up to it. Amen. Let's rise up to it now. Call the worship team up. As you're standing here in the presence of God, I want you to take a few moments just to reflect on what we have learned together. Maybe some of us understand now why 